It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Dr. Rob Streisfeld. Doc Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com and all over the airwaves here, there, and everywhere you can download or listen to a great podcast. And Thank you for tuning in today or sharing and liking. I have a great episode, a great you know, podcast coming up for you right now. I'm super excited. Uh, lots to talk about. So instead of doing my normal uh, little intro, I'm going to jump right in and say shalom, Dr. Yossi Tam, coming in from Israel. Good to meet you. Good to speak with you, Dr. Professor Yossi. How are you doing today? Hi, very good. Thank you, Dr. Rob. It is really my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to this conversation on so many levels, so many areas I want to dive into. For those that don't know, I mean, listen, you can't be in the cannabis world ethos without knowing that Israel is you know, a leader, if not the leader, in cannabis research. Um, it's so amazing. And, and I laugh only because a lot of people, you know, people know Dr. Meshulam, which hats off, all praise be. But the reality is, is that you know, there is a team. And a, and a whole network of, of researchers, doctors, professors, and you are one of those guys that are leading the way in this research in Israel, in addition and alongside Dr. Mishulam. So it's really an honor to have you here. I am a, a big fan of ICRS as well, which is the International Cannabinoid Research Society, which I believe you were former just past president of. And uh, so lots to going on. Let me start by saying of all the science research areas of interest, how did you get into the cannabis space initially? Oh, this is really a nice story to tell. Uh, you mentioned uh, Professor Meshulam. So back then, I guess around 18 years ago, I was a dental student for dentistry. And I was uh, thinking about research and conducting uh, my uh, master degree and maybe a PhD. And I approached uh, Professor Meshulam's office uh, uh, together with the other mentors that I had uh, back then, uh, Professor Itai Bab and Professor Esther Shohami. And he told me that if I'm entering the cannabis field, I probably won't leave it. And he was right. I left dentistry. I'm mainly focused on cannabis and cannabinoid research for the past 18 years, I established my own laboratory at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and spending most of my time doing research on cannabis and cannabinoids. Yes, the endocannabinoid system, the interaction of various cannabinoids. I've been researching and looking up about your lab. It's, it's quite interesting, the work you guys are doing there. I'm going to dive into that in a second. But I laughed that, you know, he started in dentistry because I, you know, I have my family. My grandfather was a dentist from Europe, came to the States. Uh, my uncle is a very, you know, well-renowned dentist in New York City. Um, but I always laugh because I'm like, what if my uncle, you know, would have got into a different field or, you know, what, where would he be now? And I think 18 years, it sounds interesting that most people don't realize cannabis has been researched for so many years. Uh, obviously in Israel, well, you know, much more so here. But I think one of the things in research that differentiates is what might be the benefits of cannabinoids and cannabis, whereas in the U.S. for the last, I don't know, up until the last 10, 15 years or so, it's been what is the harm 
that cannabis and cannabinoids and and so forth this this plant can do. And so I think I think the the focus of the research being positive and what are the benefits of is is an attribute to Israel more so than other countries. So I think that's kind of one of the areas I wanted to focus on is in your research it's been the how does it interact with the body and hopefully to find improvement, right? Is that the the gist? Yes, you're absolutely right in this uh, perspective that was really differentiate Israel from the states and other places in the world. Basically, if you take even uh, Professor Meshulam back then in the 60s, he received funding uh, from the National Institute of Health, the NIH of the United States, to conduct research on cannabis, which was not allowed to uh, be done in the states, which basically promoted the science here in Israel and specifically at the Hebrew University, making us uh, much further in the road of uh, development and research activities and also uh, industrial uh, development. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I've seen in Europe, not only Israel, but like even now we have a, the category of psychedelics expanding, you know, around the world, which is great. And the research is opening. But then you go to the Beckley Foundation in, in, in the UK, uh, who's been doing research for decades in different psychedelics but has it been accepted or well known or, or or globally you know you know shared no until recently now they're becoming a figurehead in the psychedelic space and they also did a lot in cannabis as well um, one of the things that i look at you know when you talk about the years of research is that and i've been doing a lot of lecturing around cannabis lately myself and one of the things i try to bring into perspective is the discoveries of these cannabinoids when did they occur how recent that really is in the in the, in the scientific you know, world. I say that vitamins, you know, the the vitamin C, vitamin D, you know, these things that we take as commonplace today in medicine were only discovered in like the 1930s. Um, you know, the vitamin Bs in the 40s. So to say that the cannabinoids are such a weird or outside that ethos of vitamins and minerals and those other discoveries is kind of a mistake. So I try to bring into perspective that. You know, the discovery of CBD, uh, the discovery of THC, and then the isolation of it hasn't been that long and even not that far separated from nutrients. So for me, and I'm leading into some of the research you're doing, is I look at phytocannabinoids as another class of, let's say, vitamins and minerals. I look at them as nutrients to our system. And from that, it starts to take away, I think, from a lot of people, this drug kind of like interaction they start looking at how it can nourish the body and the endocannabinoid system not just treat a symptom or treat a disease is that a perspective that you guys that you share i know in your in your lab and your system or how is that looked at as far as phytocannabinoids as, as compounds in, in the greater whole of, of, of science and nutrition and wellness okay so you really need to differentiate between the effect of phytocannabinoids that were characterized and um their effect was discovered here by Rafi Meshulam back then in the 60s, but from the uh, really um, historical use of cannabis in Europe, in China, in India uh, back then, and the characterization of the structure of THC and CBD, which was uh, first initiated by uh, Professor Meshulam uh, during the 60s, basically initiated the, uh, our understanding of the use of cannabis and what could be the effect of these, you called it vitamins or like vitamins, I call them phytocannabinoids coming from the plant, 
but their use was, uh, and, and the, the characterization of these compounds first, and then the understanding that these compounds basically activate uh, the receptors, specific receptors in the human body make all the difference between the holistic use of cannabis to the pharmaceutical uh, properties of these compounds for certain medical conditions. Uh, and the fact that you can utilize the plant substances uh, to treat certain conditions through cannabinoid receptors basically tells us that our body, not just waiting for us to use cannabis, but it produces compounds, ligands in any cell of our body to mimic the effect of cannabinoids. So our body produces the endocannabinoids, as you mentioned, the endocannabinoid system, and the understanding of the effect of this system in certain conditions, both healthy and pathological conditions, will make the uh, further progress into understanding how we can utilize the plant or synthetic cannabinoids for treatment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's a really great clarification. And, you know, the thing about it in, in the sense where I look at it from a nutritional standpoint is because I look at diseases like beriberi, pellagra, scurvy, and these were big issues back in not too long ago, but we found that there were deficiencies in, in certain nutrients and that caused a bunch of conditions or symptoms or diseases. And we see some of that, not all situations, but some of that also could be tied to cannabinoid deficiencies or downregulation of the endocannabinoid system or a lack of receptor activities to stimulate you know, other parts of the, the, the body to produce like-minded, you know, compounds. So I, I look at, you know, there's kind of that correlation of both nutritional, but also, like you said, receptors in the body that specifically identify these cannabinoids in different parts of the body can be utilized to affect change and treat disease and improve well-being. This is really interesting. The, the fact that you mentioned deficiencies in cannabinoids, let's uh, put more emphasis on this, but because what we can measure now is the activity, for example, of the endocannabinoid system in our body, whether it is upregulated or downregulated. And not only deficiencies in cannabinoids or endocannabinoids exist, like in autism spectrum disorder, but we can see an overproduction of cannabinoids that are happen in conditions like metabolic disorders, such as obesity and diabetes. So can we indeed utilize the plant or phytocannabinoids to activate or to block this endogenous system? This is the study that we are currently conducting at the Hebrew University. I love it. I love it. And we have so much more to learn. I keep saying that cannabis is in its toddler stage while psychedelics are back in its infant stage. Um, but we've made progress, but there's a lot more to go. And there's going to be a lot more to go with today's conversation with, with Professor Yossi Tam, Hebrew University, Tam Lab. We're going to be right back after this quick break. This is Doc Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment.
It's time to hemp present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident hempo sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back. This is Doc Rob, your host, your concierge to better living with my guest today, Professor Yossi Tam, uh, coming in today from Israel, talking about all this innovation and great work. And, and we were talking about uh, receptors and different, you know, either effects pro and con uh, of too much or too little cannabinoids before the break. And so, you know, for me, I, I am a holistic, you know, I'm a naturopath. I believe in the whole plant. And although I am still a scientist, so I don't, I truly love the research. And I mentioned the beginning of ICRS, which is seriously, uh, I went to one many years ago in Italy, which was life-changing. I don't know if you were at that conference as well, but it was, it, it was a life-changing conference for me in the sense of, hey, I can't ever look at another conference the same. And, and as far as the quality and the, and the venue and the coursework and so forth. But I also realized in over years that sometimes the research, how do I put this? Um, from the PhD standpoint or from the scientist standpoint, looks at this plant or these compounds as simply as a widget. They don't have the set and setting, the cultural ramifications. They don't have the, 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 the societal use or even delivery system sometimes taken into consideration where some people, I, I think I talked to someone at ICRS and said, how many of these researchers, 300, 400 people at a, at a conference have actually tried cannabis? And he said, to be honest with you, probably not that many. And to me, that was a little bit of that disconnect, that disjoint that we probably need to experience, at least to know what the substance is. And I say that because I'm a big fan of the raw plant. So I have like the cannabidolic acids, you know, THCA, CBDA, CBGA. I have a big affinity to them when I think, well, definitely in the U.S., most of that's poo-pooed and pushed aside, saying that in order for this to be effective, we need to heat and oxidize and decarboxylate this plant. What's your take on some of these uh, acid forms? Are, the, are you doing any work in that area? Have you spent some time on, on the way that plants naturally produce these compounds versus how we modify them? Uh, we do um, look at the plant both at the, as a whole plant or whole plant extract versus uh, isolated cannabinoids from the plant versus synthetic cannabinoids that we right. synthesize in the lab. And there is a big difference between the effect of these three groups uh, in different conditions. So while the holistic approach may be uh, uh, true uh, via the entourage effect, you probably heard about yeah, it, the combination of the THC, CBD, and all the other minor cannabinoids and terpenes and, and uh, flavonoids and so on, we need also to look at synthetic uh, the, uh, at the level of specific molecule in order to understand what is the mechanism of action. How does the plant cannabinoids can do what they do to understand it in order to develop it further on for clinical use and for evaluation by the big pharma companies. And this gives us 
also the opportunity to develop synthetic cannabinoids that are based on cannabinoid acid, as you said, with modifications that could be patented and licensed to different companies in order to promote further clinical development of these compounds. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I remember, I don't know how many years ago, we were looking at CBD, cannabidiol, for pets, uh, for dogs. And we went to research and they said, well, the first thing you have to do is research the isolated form, create a baseline, and then you can add in different compounds or other cannabinoids or flavonoids and things like that that could affect change. And then you can compare those results. I think that's a really basis to science. Start with the most single common denominator and then you can expand variables from there. Um, but again, I, I think that, you know, this is why I love where we're at in, in, in two parts. In the States, I'm not sure if it's happening over in Israel and Europe, is we now have this uh, Delta 8, Delta 10. These are like synthetically kind of manipulated compounds. Now, they do present in small, small amounts naturally from the plant. So it's not like it's a new compound developed out of thin air. However, the concentrations, are you guys seeing any of this conversation regarding the Delta 8 and the Delta 10 yet? Or how is that, is that popped up in your ethos at all? Not yet, uh, but synthetic cannabinoids, which could be much more potent and much more activating, for example, the cannabinoid receptor could also uh, induce some harmful effect that we should be cautious about. So uh, we need to take this also under consideration. I, I totally respect that. And that's how my position is, is like, it's great that we have this in, you know, evolution and, and science and chemistry of the plant and so forth. But we always need to err on the side of caution a little bit when we start to amplify the potency. And that's why I said even um, the whole plant in its natural form, you'd say a 200-pound deer. I use this example all the time. Uh, Dr. Courtney turned me on to this many years ago is that um, you know, 200-pound deer can nibble in the, in, the, in the forest on a bud and a couple of leaves, and that can stimulate and nourish the endocannabinoid system. So why does a human at 200 pounds need to concentrate to thousands of potency you know, to that same result of, of treating and supporting the um, you know, endocannabinoid system as a whole? So I, I kind of look at that as you know, that whole, not homeopathy, but that microdosing, that small amount can trigger a significant effect. And for that, I want to lead into one of, bit of your research, which is in, in nano, because I think nano is a, is a, is a bit of a, uh, again, double-edged sword in some people's mindsets as well, because like you said, nano, and you can probably explain this better than I, makes the, comp the items or the compounds smaller, right? And, and, and then they can go into areas, but that, while that's good in some drug delivery, could that be a negative? having a compound in such a small size passing in areas that it never was intended to in the body, could there be harm as well? So what I know you do a lot with nano. Can you kind of give a quick, you know, perspective or summary on nano? And I know that's really uh, your, your wheelhouse. Yeah. So, but let's mention the fact that cannabinoids are lipophilic AA compounds True. and their bioavailability through the oral mucosa or through the uh, GI mucosa is very, very low. So we are using nanotechnology in order to encapsulate different cannabinoids in order to increase their bioavailability. So you can indeed use a low dose of cannabis in order to see an effect and not consuming large amount of cannabis for the same type of effect. So this is our approach of using nanotechnology. We can of course deliver it to a specific organ or a tissue where we would like the cannabinoids to work at. 
And this is the main reason why using nanotechnology for a, a drug delivery. I think it's great. And that goes into what the research you're, you're actually working on with, which is metabolic, metabolic, metabolic disorders, diseases, weight issues. I think this is really key. Obviously, THCV pops into mind whenever you start talking about weight management and appetite suppressing, but there's a lot of other nuances. So you're focusing on uh, liver, fatty liver, right? Some kidney disease and other metabolic issues. Why did you choose that specific area, you know, to focus on? So the the, the reason why I focus on on the metabolic disorders basically lead to my my path uh, during uh, my career, uh, doing my postdoctoral training at the NIH, and then uh, specifically in uh, George Kunos lab at the NIAAA. And uh, from there, I moved back to the Hebrew University in 2014, and, and I was mainly uh, triggered by the fact that, as you know, THC increases the munchies, increases feeding, and may or may not, it's a, a questionable, and we can discuss it later, induce some kind of metabolic disorders. But you know that obese patients and uh, uh, patients that suffer from diabetes or any other metabolic disease do show an overactivation of the endocannabinoid system. What, the, what does it mean? It means that basically their body produces more endocannabinoids that circulate in their blood, produces uh, this amount in the liver, in the gut, in the kidney, in the pancreas. And this overactivation of endocannabinoid system induces inflammation, induces fibrosis of these tissues. And our negative effect, if you consider the metabolic disorder or metabolic diseases as uh, bad diseases, okay? Uh, so we came into understanding that in order to mitigate or uh, reduce the chances of obesity, diabetes, fatty liver disease, and so on, we need to, uh, synthesize molecules that block the CB1 receptor. And by blocking CB1 receptor, we can reduce all these circumstances of uh, metabolic dis disorders with utilizing uh, synthetic cannabinoids that are synthesized in the lab and so on. You mentioned THCV. People should know that THCV is not like THC. So it is antagonist for CB1. So this is exactly what we do. We take the lessons that we learned from the plant, but we utilize it in our lab by generating novel compounds that can be patentable. And through our uh, uh, commercial entity at the Hebrew University, we can commercialize it to a pharma company for further clinical development and approval by the FDA. Yeah, this is where I, I explained a lot where on, you have two basic channels going on right now. You have your increased understanding and utilization of the plant in its plant form. And then you have cannabinoid-based therapeutics in the drug delivery methods that's going to be shifting and changing healthcare going forward as a source of many, uh, I believe, opportunities to improve disorders and diseases using 
endocannabinoid understanding, endocannabinoid system, you know, manipulation. I'll say that in a, in a, in a good way, you know, good balancing. And I've seen this in the opposite way. We see a, a chronic use of SSRIs and other drugs downregulating the endocannabinoid system and actually making things worse for a patient because they're not allowing the anandamide and other, you know, natural, you know, endocannabinoids to be produced by the body. So you have to be, this is an area that I, that's why I wanted to I love having you on today. It's just sharing that there's so much nuance in how this, you know, I go yin yang or this dance between the body's sympathetic and parasympathetic systems and inflammation and, you know, and, and antagonist inflammation, all that's going to be, I believe the next five, 10 plus years, a mainstay in the future of, of modern healthcare. So I'm really excited to see that you're obviously leading that, especially metabolic and weight stuff here in the States. That's definitely an issue as you know. And so, um, yeah, lots more to talk about in that regard going forward. I'm going to stay tuned. I'm going to have you come back on other times to see where the research is going, but we're going to take one more break. We're going to get, you know, take a little time to get paid by our sponsors and then come back and wrap up with today's episode with professor Tam, uh, dialing in from Israel, sharing lots of cool information. Don't go anywhere. This is Dr. Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, and we are back. This is, as I knew it would be from the get-go, a really great conversation with Professor Tam. Yossi, it's been wonderful. Um, and again, there's a lot more to talk about and when we talk about cannabis and cannabinoid therapies. We touched on so many little things from the entourage effect to full spectrum versus isolates, so many different dynamics. What what else do you want to share? I mean, again, I'll leave it, you know, give you a few minutes left before we wrap up today, but you know, having this opportunity with you, what are some of the things that excite you most about, you know, the next, you know, going forward in this industry, the near future, uh, aside from maybe meeting up in Ireland and, you know, next year at the ICRS conference coming up and hopefully all can travel openly again. But what are some of the things that, you know, really has your passion or has you excited about, you know, coming up, you know, from your lab or from the work that you're doing? Right. Uh, so I mentioned at the beginning of our talk that I'm a, I'm a dentist, but not practice dentistry. And the main reason is that research makes my life happening right right now i leave research i uh, open my days with uh, new questions that need to be answered clinical questions and we bring them to the bench in order to solve them and for this we are seeking for funding of course and we are and my main goal is to bring a drug into the market that is based on cannabinoid or cannabis related compounds. So if this happens, I do my service well. I love it. I love when people, especially in the science world, you'll find their passion, at least find something that's really exciting because you see it in real time. Like you said, you're not thinking about something that either like looking at research 
analysis from years back necessarily, but what can be done today that can impact healthcare, society, well-being in the very near future? And I think that's really admirable. And, and that's why I wanted, you know, to, to always have my my you know thumb on the pulse of what's happening in, in the research world. You know, I, I may personally push back from some of the pharmaceutical development only because I have so much passion and respect for the plants and nature in itself. But I've learned also to be humble in that regard too, you know, learning that there are conditions and people with diseases and, and things that can be treated and sometimes need to be treated, especially like you said, with nano, where we don't need the potency. You got people that can't even consume, let's say THC based on the dosing they're, they're told they need, you know, t grams of THC a day to treat cancers or things like that. When, if we could identify or create a, a more potent, but more efficient delivery system to treat specific organs or specific targets with this plant using science. I think we've done our job as researchers and scientists to improve well-being. That good Samaritan, whether it be in your mouth as a dentist or at your kidneys or your liver. I mean, these are all uh, services that we do as healers. And again, that's why I'm really excited to have you on. I want people to check out more information about your lab and 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 keeping tabs on you. I, I kind of be giggling internally because it's like you're the Wozniak to Jobs in that sense that people want know about Meshulam and they know the name and you know. And, and I've had great conversations and conferences and great resource, but there's so many many people. I, I say this all the time. There's, there's tons of researchers. Just go. I tell people out there listening, if you're a doctor, if you're a researcher, check out ICRS. Join that organization. Because even if you don't go to conferences, the, the annals of you know, the, the archives from past conferences is just such a, a, a resource. If anyone like, you know, for me, that's been where my go-to. I love getting the spiral binders and highlighting them all up and researching all this stuff. So I think this is something that uh, more and more people will learn about going forward. I, I appreciate your time today. I know time zone's a little bit different, um, but you know, this has been great. I, I would like just to add uh, one more thing. You mentioned the ICRS, which is the biggest and most important uh, conference in the, um, in the field of uh, cannabis and cannabinoid research. And you mentioned that uh, Professor Meshulam, which gave us the vision to open the multidisciplinary center for cannabinoid research at the Hebrew University, which basically this is what we do. We do clinical, basic agriculture uh, science uh, around cannabis, uh, 40 research laboratories, around three uh, to 400 people conducting daily research on cannabis and cannabinoids. And of course, if anyone would like to, to join, to understand, read, please explore our website and, and the information. That's great. Yeah, we're going to have links to those as well when we post the show. I'll, I'll definitely keep sharing it. I'm actually working, you know, people know that listen to my show, setting up my own research center in New York, in the States, uh, you know, in next is going 22. And so hopefully we'll be able to collaborate, share insight going forward. Maybe I'll do a poster at ICRS at some point in the near future. That would be an accomplishment to be able to present. I presented a lot of conferences, but to be able to present at ICRS is one in my bucket list. And I, and I hope to achieve that over the next several years personally. So it has been a real honor and pleasure uh, having this time with you today, Professor Tam, and we will hopefully stay in touch and as things present and things discoveries occur please keep us in mind here at concierge for better living because i know my audience would love to hear about the new developments and findings from your lab and your team i appreciate you so much sure thank you so much it was my pleasure dr Rob. all right shalom and thank you for everyone at, at cannabis radio for making this happen 
uh, and all my listeners, followers, like, share, and do that thing you do online. And, you know, again, this is just a great way we explain that this is just the beginning still. While you may be hearing, oh, cannabis, 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 this is just the beginning. There's so much more research happening, not only for the harm that it may cause, but for the betterment that it may serve in our society. And that's what we do here at Concierge for Better Living. We want to make this a better today than yesterday and hope that together we have a better tomorrow than today. And with that, I thank you all and wish everyone all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.